Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon, Paula. Hello, hubby. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. I got up so early this morning. I woke up at 3.50 a.m. and was just laying there with the day spinning and just thought I was going to get up and get a jump start on the day. And that's what you did. Yep. And today is a very special day. Yes, it is. Oh, everybody knows when I make that noise, I'm about to talk about my grandbaby. Today is Ellie's first birthday. Yay. So we already FaceTimed her this morning saying happy birthday. Yeah. And we have a party later this afternoon. Very small party. I'm going off my normal eating routine today. I hear you're going to eat a cupcake. I am planning on eating one cupcake. I am not. I'm in a marathon training block, so I'm going to stay on the straight and narrow. But I'm going to enjoy watching Eliane smash her first cake. It'll be interesting to see if she does. I'm really proud of her parents, too. They've made her a real healthy cake. It's a... Well, you helped with that. I didn't help with the cake. I helped with the icing. But Shelby came up with a cake recipe with oat flour and bananas, and I don't know what all's in it, so she's baking a cake. And then we did a little research on a cashew and medjool date icing. Sounds yummy. Ellie is going to have a healthy first birthday cake. That makes me proud. Yes. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see if she likes something sweet. Yeah, she loved that apple I gave her this week. Nice. She did. So you had a good run this morning, I hear. I had an excellent run. I enjoyed the run today. It was... You want me to tell you about my run? Yes. Okay, so it was an hour and 45 minutes, so it's a pretty long run. I'm about halfway through a marathon training block. Yeah, it's cold outside. It was feels like nine when we started, and I, actually I felt pretty warm, except my ankles were a little bit cold, which is weird. I guess my tights were above my socks, and then my face, it's like my eyeballs were cold. Is that weird? That's weird. Was there any ice out there today? We did have to dodge a few ice patches, but... We all stayed upright, so that's a win. That's always a win. Can't always say that happens, but today we all stayed upright. So an hour and 45 minutes. Yep. So the first 45 minutes was just easy peasy, zone two, I'd say, rate of perceived exertion of four-ish. And then it went into a an hour of progression. So you do 20 minutes at maybe low zone three. 20 minutes at mid to high zone three, and then 20 minutes at zone four. So I enjoyed it. My uh, So it's kind of like a negative split workout. It was a progression. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, it was. Some people like to call it when your last mile is your fastest mile, a moly mile. Moly mile. Moly mile. Holy moly. I don't think it's after Holy Moly. I think it's after somebody whose last name is Moly. I don't know. I'll let you research that and educate us on the next podcast. I'll make a note of that. 
So my first 20 minutes was only about 10 seconds a mile faster than my easy peasy 45 minutes. Then my second 20 minutes, I dropped 30 seconds per mile average. And then my last one, I was kind of surprised by, but I just felt like I had a lot of pent up energy looking forward to that last 20 minutes. So I was actually over a minute, like a minute, five seconds faster per mile on that last 20 minutes. So I felt strong and I wasn't gassed afterward. It wasn't a workout where I was supposed to gas myself. So you feel like your rate of perceived effort was where it was supposed to be for this workout? I think so. Good. Thanks, Coach. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Enjoyed that workout. You had some good times. Yep. Ran with my buddies, Jennifer and Kelly. Nice. They always... It's always keep, good to have company. They keep it fun. That's for sure. I dropped my nutrition. We had to circle. I didn't even know I did. We had to circle back and find it. But it had been run over, so... Run over by a, a foot or a bike? A vehicle, it appeared. Oh, in the road. Yeah. Well, that's right. You were out on the road today. We hit the streets instead of, today. Instead of the... Green belt. We did. We hit the streets today. The green belt. We actually started on the green belt and we got to the first bridge right past Byers. It was a sheet of ice. Mm. So we turned around and went on the roads. Good plan. I thought so. I was kind of thinking about a podcast topic for today. Yeah, let's hear it. So have you ever heard the phrase, variety is the spice of life? I've heard that. Okay, so we're going to talk about that a little bit today, if that's all right with you. Let's do it. All right. So, I guess, is that a fact or a myth that variety is a spice of life? I guess we'll let our listeners decide after we have a conversation today. What does it even mean to be the spice of life? Adds a little flavor to your life, if you have some variety. Excitement. Yeah. So, there's definitely things I don't want variety in. For example, my relationship... I don't want variety. I just want you as my hubby. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> so I feel the same. But sometimes I get a little antsy and want a little variety when I don't need it. This doesn't have anything to do with you being my hubby. <laughs> I'm glad to know <laughs> You're that. You're looking at me like, wait, what? <laughs> we are recording this. Yeah, that's okay. So I mentioned a few podcasts back that my frustration level was growing because I was stuck on humoresque with my violin playing. I would consider myself an adult learner of violin. I took violin lessons for about nine months when I was nine or ten years old. And even then with my teacher, I think I frustrated her because all I wanted to do was rush through book one. I did everything I could just to get to the next piece. Anyway, as an adult, I've learned I've gotten so much better. Oh no, I still. You have gotten so much better <laughs> at the violin. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, I got, I've gotten a little bit better about realizing that variety is not necessarily what I always need when I'm playing the violin. And my teacher, she's sweet as a, I mean, she's sweet as can be. She's just super nice and very gifted teacher and a musician but I would I think I would say to you every week oh, I hope I get to go to the next piece I hope I get to go to the next piece and then I would come back to your office and look in the door and you could just tell by my face I didn't get to go to the next piece so I was getting a little bit frustrated 
But then I really, and I thought, I started thinking about this after our last podcast, is the fact of the matter is that as I learn to play the violin and as I get better, repetition really is going to be fundamental to my success. I believe I could just only practice humoresque for the rest of my life and get better and better on the violin. It's a, I, I, I think I'm stuck on this piece, or actually I have graduated now. Congratulations. <laughs> but I hadn't when I started thinking about this topic. But it's really the first piece where you have to be precise and switching to third position and switching back and figuring out how to do that without creating gaps as your hand position moves. But a violin is, is a pretty technical instrument. I mean, your finger can just be a millimeter off and your note's going to sound flat or sharp. It's just not going to sound good. So there's just so much precision required in the violin to make it sound good. And to do that, you have to be repetitive and you have to develop that muscle memory, which means not only do you have to practice it over and over again, but you have to practice it perfectly over and over again. Because if I'm moving, if I'm shifting positions and just a millimeter off and I keep doing it wrong, I'm really not developing as a violinist. So anyway, I often in my mind, and I certainly did as a child and sometimes now, I equate success with graduating to that next piece in in the book. But I'm really learning that it's more about perfecting technique, regardless of what piece I'm working on. And, you know, Adrian, my teacher, she could appease me and just allow me to rush through each piece. And I could be, I could maybe be in book four right now, but... I'm just slowly progressing through book three, and hopefully I become a decent violinist. You are already a decent violinist. <laughs> just ask you, because you're my biggest fan. Yeah. You definitely are. I appreciate that support. But when I first look at a piece of music, I'm not the best sight reader. It takes, like, I have to really think about the counts and all that. But when I first play through a piece, the outcome is pretty bad. But the more I focus on just that one piece, the better I become at it. And the longer I stay on that piece, the better I become at it. In fact, my teacher, she has a book three practice daily practice schedule, which this is why you know all my violin songs, because I play through every song in the previous books twice a week. And I play through every song that I'm working on in the current book three times a week. So I get a lot of repetition. And it's really kind of fun because as I'm mastering humoresque in book three, when I go back, things that were so hard in book one now are just so automatic. And so it's kind of fun. Also, there's a few times that I have recorded a piece the first week I've started practicing it. And then eight weeks later, I'll do a recording. And it's just amazing, the difference. So... You don't really see those or hear those improvements when you're playing it every day. But then when you listen to the first day and then listen to the last day, or not the last day, but listen to a day eight weeks later, it's really amazing, the improvement. So you probably wouldn't hear that improvement if I didn't repeat the same songs occasionally to compare it. And I guess me being a a listener and not really someone who understands the violin... And hearing you every day, I mean, I just think it sounds good. And I don't necessarily notice all the improvement because it's just a little bit every day. And I don't 
do what you're doing, which is go back and listen to how you sounded eight weeks ago to compare. All I know is what I hear today, and it sounds good. Well, thank you. I think it's similar to like our granddaughter. She's more than tripled in weight in a year. And it's been very gradual. So Jacob and Shelby, who see her every day, probably don't see that growth. But when they go back and look at pictures and they go back and look at videos, they can just really see. I mean, if you ever want to see the human brain develop, just closely watch a one-year-old. I mean, it's phenomenal. Yeah, just the little things that Ellie experiences from day to day that she... uh didn't understand the day before or or didn't try the day before it's fun to watch (laughs) like moving your hand off of the piano keyboard yesterday so that she could play it by herself yes (laughs) she enjoys playing the piano by herself as a one-year-old so we're gonna work on sharing and granddaddy don't put your hand on ellie's keyboard (laughs) so anyway kind of summing up the the violin thing. I'm always craving the next new challenge, but my teacher is very patient and encouraging, and I just really need to trust the process and just focus on what has been assigned to me. So what you're saying is that by just being patient and consistent, you're improving over time. Yes. That sounds a lot like our coaching philosophy. (laughs) It does sound a lot like our coaching philosophy. That's why I need to trust my violin teacher a little more, not get so impatient. So I thought of a second area that, well, maybe a third area if we're, you know, counting marriage and and violin practice. And now a third area where variety is not necessarily the spice of life, if we're going with that theme a little bit. Let's go with it. Okay. Is nutrition. And I know we've done a podcast on nutrition before, but this is really just a difficult giant to slay for a lot of people. But here's a here's the thing about nutrition, and I use my fitness pal so I know exactly how many calories I can consume per day and maintain my current weight. That is if I if I lay on the couch and do nothing or if I sit at my computer and work all day, there is a baseline number of calories that I know I need to eat each day. So there's no variety to that. So to me, it's extremely, it extremely simplifies the process if I just figure out what works where I hit my protein, my carbs, and my fat that work for me. Based on your preferences. I consider my preferences, yes. So for me, my breakfast probably six days a week is always the same. And my lunch five or six days a week, just depending. Sometimes the weekends are a little bit different. Almost always the same. And then dinner, it I probably have a variety of about four or five different dinners that work well with my breakfast and lunch so that I get my percent of protein, my percent of carbs, my percent of fat. So really my only variety in meal planning from day to day depends on my workouts. For example, today... I had an hour and 45 minute run. So for me, for my weight and my effort, that was about 890 calories extra that I need to consume today. And so that's the piece that I have a variety on each day is depending on my running. 
But my base calories, pretty much the same. And your base calories are based on, like you said, your height and your weight. And then your your goals are around weight. So if you're wanting to lose weight, then MyFitnessPal gives you a way to estimate a weight loss and it reduces your calories, but you don't need to lose any weight. No, I just want to maintain a healthy weight. And really, now that I've gotten the habit of here's what I eat a day, I struggle more on days today where I'm going to figure out because I wasn't well planned for the extra 890 calories. And I'm a very planned and patterned person. So I really have to think about and figure that out. And I'm not gonna I'm not going to do that by eating a cupcake at Ellie's party because I'm still trying to get my correct percentage of protein, fat and carbs, and I'm trying to eat really healthy between now and my marathon. Yeah. And I'm very patterned with my eating as well. I eat just about the same thing every morning for breakfast. I eat a big salad for lunch and then just mix it up at supper. And at supper, it's just a, a few different things mm-hmm. that we keep in the house that I whip up. But I think I've learned over the years that food is important for staying healthy and for energy. And it really shouldn't be a form of entertainment, although it is fun to go out to eat with friends or something like that. And sometimes we get off of our routine if we do that. Right. And we're pretty good about it. Last night we went out to dinner, just you and I. Big date. It's been a long time since we went out on a date. <laughs> it has been a long time. We were about the only people in the restaurant. It was an exciting night in Owensboro, Kentucky. <laughs> we won't even go into our date, what we did. It was so exciting. There's just not much to do in Owensboro during COVID. There's not a lot to do. Anyway, we drove around the town and <laughs> we went... <laughs> My husband had the idea on date night that we would go get my oil changed, which I like that because, you know, my love language is quality time and acts of service. So if he's going to utilize some time to get my oil changed, that was going to be outstanding, but the place was closed. So we just drove around. Drove around, got gas in the car because it was getting low. Yeah. (laughs) Went to the grocery. And then we decided that's enough date night. Let's go home. That's right. I'm not sure how we got off on that, (laughs) but that's okay. (laughs) So I guess there's not a lot of variety in our uh, social life. Oh, yes, that's what we were talking about. If that's what we uh, did on our date night. Right. What I was going to say about our date night is we both got the Southwest chicken salad. So it had avocado and it had grilled chicken. And of course it had the vegetable basis. So even though we went out and enjoyed a nice dinner, I think we still... Ate healthy, even though that chocolate cheesecake on the sign looked really good. Yeah. Salad. We did not partake. So the salad had, had shredded cheese on it, and I've been trying to avoid cheese, but... It was date night. It was date night, and I'm not allergic to cheese. It's just something I'm preferring not to eat in hopes that my cholesterol will be better when I visit my doctor, which, to my disappointment... <laughs> The one day out of the year we have like an ice storm is the day I'm supposed to go get my annual physical and it was canceled. I'm sorry. I was, I'm looking forward to it. Dr. Howard, if you're listening to this, I'm really looking forward to it. Only now you're going to have a cupcake in that system when you go back. You need to schedule it for a few weeks out now. Well, it was planned perfectly. 
get the test. Then, then have eat, the cupcake. Then eat the cupcake. <laughs> It'll be okay. It will be okay. It's not one meal or one dessert that's going to make that big of a difference. It's that's true. All of the meals leading up to it. Right. Right. So, can you think of any areas in your life where variety is not necessarily the spice of life? Yeah, one area I'm thinking of is is around sleep, and I think it's important to be very patterned with your sleep. Try to get to bed about the same time, and try to get you know at least seven eight hours of sleep. I think that's just a, a good way to make sure your body's recovering and you're you're ready for whatever lies ahead the next day. Whereas if you party like a rock star, which we don't, and drag in around one or two in the morning and and get up at six, (laughs) you're not getting adequate sleep and it'll catch up with you eventually. I think a lot of people struggle with patterned sleep and aren't partying like a rock star. (laughs) Some people just naturally have trouble sleeping. Like, I don't know why you got up at three o'clock in the morning. Well, you know, you have always been gifted with the ability to sleep. I can remember even in high school, I'd be lying in my bed at night, just my mind spinning, thinking, oh my goodness, I need to go to sleep. I have to be up at six to get ready for school. And I would lay there for hours and maybe not fall asleep until two in the morning. And that was prior to all the opportunities for screen time and we didn't have TV in our house when I was growing up. So it wasn't that I had distractions. It was just, I had difficulty falling asleep. And part of it was, I was a night owl. That's something you've always been good about. I mean, you would just joke, well, the sun's down. It's time to go to bed. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> well, I learned that from my dad. He had his own plumbing and heating business. And he started with nothing and, and built it to a very successful business. And, and he would go to bed early and get up real early before I got up as a kid. And I guess I admired that from him and being around him and and then working with him. That became an expectation. And it's just a good habit that I got into. Well, I think it's a good habit going to bed early, getting up early. Right. And I I think it's a good habit to have consistent sleep patterns where possible. Yeah. When you have a newborn baby... Not really possible. Not very possible. You have a swing shift job. Not very possible to go to bed the same time every night, but just figuring out how to get quality sleep. Yeah. So, and being married to you, I've gotten better at going to bed at a decent time. Yeah. So back to the point, I think it's better to be very patterned with your sleep habits rather than mixing it up daily, weekly, on a whim. But like any other situation in life, things are going to come up to uh, knock you off your schedule, but then you just got to get back on your schedule. This one cupcake is not going to start a trend of cupcakes every day. It will not. And you will completely enjoy your turtle cupcake. I'm looking forward to it. I'm jealous. Anyway, I guess all this leads up to, you know, we coach, and it really kind of applies to each of us as individual athletes, but the athletes we coach, too, they'll often look ahead to the upcoming week and maybe shoot us a message or asking questions about, okay, I have five easy days this week. Like it's just, there's nothing particularly exciting about what's coming up. Not a lot of variety in their training week. And 
especially when we're just in a build a base block. I feel like a lot of the athletes are biting at the bit. They want to do some cool looking speed work that's going to look good to their friends on Strava. Oh, yeah. I just um, feel like... We all get anxious and, and want to do more and more, but that's not always the best thing to do. Yeah, I just think it's human nature to want something new and want something different. And I think we a lot of us crave that, especially athletes. They crave that. But really, what I want as an athlete, I want to get better over time. And sometimes that requires a good 10 to 12 recovery block of all easy runs. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of variety in there, but you consistently get up, you consistently stay in zone two, you consistently keep it easy. You're not only improving your cardio endurance, but you're also, more importantly, making sure you're giving your bones and your muscles time to catch up with your cardio fitness by keeping those easy blocks easy. Keep the easy days easy. For sure. So I was thinking of another parallel. See if you agree with this. That some people see a friend or a coworker or a neighbor get a new car and then they get the the bug in their mind that well they've got to get a new car too. Maybe they have to take out a car loan to get this new car anyway. Having a variety of cars, always having the latest and greatest, it might be nice to have the latest car. There may be some amount of enjoyment from that, but having to deal with the extra payments or just being out that extra money or always just feeling like you've got to compare yourself to the Joneses, it's not necessarily a good thing. Right, and I think that's the kind of the double-edged sword of apps like Strava. It is nice to be able to see what friends are doing as long as you're not playing that comparison game and thinking, oh, well, they're doing this and I need to do this, or oh my goodness, we're doing the same marathon and they did all this and I'm only doing this. Yeah, so I, I met somebody at the health park, that's where I swim, a few weeks ago, and I found this person on Strava and started following him. And I noticed one day that he did a 10,000-yard swim, averaging 121 pace. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, that is that is incredible. And I'm thinking, well, I need to be able to do that. <laughs> I'm an okay swimmer, but I'm not in that league. But who knows, maybe I will someday. But I don't need to be trying right now to compare myself to anybody especially somebody that's that much of a better swimmer than I am. So like you say, it's nice to see what your friends are doing, but just don't put yourself in a situation where you feel like you have to compare yourself. Focus on where you are and make gradual improvements. The key is staying healthy. Right. And when we find workouts, and we do have a pretty big arsenal or toolbox of different workouts that we like to utilize with our athletes but when we find something that is working with a particular athlete we prescribe that workout often for that athlete and what's nice about prescribing a similar workout to an athlete over time is we can see those gains we have an athlete right now who's doing quite a few five minute intervals like she'll run 
five minutes, rest two minutes, run five minutes, rest two minutes for a certain number of intervals. And it's kind of fun tracking that in a spreadsheet Mm -hmm. to watch her growth over time. So fast fives are fun. Yeah. One of her favorites. But it is good to look for progress over time by having similar workouts. I know when I first got into triathlon and before you were coaching, I actually did what a lot of people do. And I went to the internet and started searching just for a plan. And I thought it was interesting because one of the plans I came across, and it's it's not proprietary, you didn't have to pay for it, but it was called the Super Simple 70.3 Plan. And I thought, oh, that's what I need. Simple. But as I got in, I, I downloaded it and was reading it. And as I got into looking at it, the plan specifically said simple does not mean easy. Like the workouts are simple in the fact that there's not a lot of variety and you can see your growth over time. So every Thursday, I knew I was going to have a 50-minute bike. But over time, my distance was increasing. My power was increasing. And so I could compare mm-hmm. that 50-minute ride to previous weeks. And so it was simple in that it was easy to compare the data. Simple in that it was easy to understand. It was easy to understand. But the workouts were a challenge. So simple didn't mean easy if that makes sense yeah it makes sense so i know at the end of 2019 which is really before all the races started shutting down for the covid (laughs) which we didn't know it at the time but in that last fall training block i had finished the marathon and was actually wasn't training for anything specific but i had gotten real specific in my training in that all of my VO2 max training sessions were one-minute intervals. Sometimes I would have been assigned four, sometimes six, sometimes ten, but it was always one-minute intervals. And then my uh, lactate threshold training workouts were all seven-minute intervals with two-minute recovery and varying amounts of those. And just kind of on a whim, at the last minute, I signed up for a half marathon and PR'd it by a lot with easy effort. And so it's just an example of in that whole 12 to 14 week training block, I really had almost no variety. I did my 80% at least super easy runs. I did my one minute intervals and I did my seven minute tempo intervals and it just, my body responded great. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that race. It was um, (laughs) St. Jude, Memphis half. And I ran it as well. And I remember finishing and I thought, you know, I've got time. I'm going to go get my gear and put some warm clothes on because this was early December in Memphis, Tennessee. And I I get my clothes on. I go back out towards the finish area. And I don't remember if I heard them yell your name that you crossed the finish line or if I just happened to spot you in in the crowd of finishers. But I was quite surprised how close behind me you were i'm catching you buddy i'm catching you come on (laughs) i think that's the same is true in the pool i know a lot of athletes show up at the pool and they really don't have a plan other than they know they're going to jump in and get wet and so always at our pool i don't know about other pools but 
there's a little whiteboard and the master swim coach has written a swim set a swim set on there a variety of swim sets i guess and i mean it's just all kinds of weird stuff on there but it's definitely variety and i could get in and do what's on the board and be very entertained but i don't think that's what would improve me as a swimmer again i don't have a lot of variety when i go to the pool i do two or three very basic workouts and then I think about two or three very basic things to help me get faster so Mm -hmm. I heard a coach once say that the quality of a swim session is inversely proportional to the size of the swim toy bag you bring out with you (laughs) (laughs) so for those of you who aren't mathematically inclined that means the more toys you bring the less effective the workout is Mm. that's the inverse proportion yeah yeah, so it's it's better to focus on just a few areas and make improvements and then at some point shift to another area, focus on improvement. Right. And just like you're moving from one song to the next, you're not forgetting how to play those songs in your past, but you are continuing to practice those. Whereas in swimming, you're incorporating those lessons you learn through your drills in you know every every time you go down the length of the pool. Mm -hmm. I agree. So I I can think of another area where variety is not necessarily a good thing, and that's in your conditioning and flexibility routine. If you've found certain exercises or stretches that have helped you stay healthy, then why make a change? If you do end up with an injury and you see a PT, see a doctor, and they recommend something new, then that's great. Incorporate that in, make some replacements, but find some conditioning and stretching routines that work because I do a lot of exercises and stretching trying to be preventative or to be recovering from an ailment. But my goal was not to become a bodybuilder. My goal is not to become a gymnast. I want to be a runner and a triathlete, and so I'm doing these extra efforts to help me be able to run, bike, and swim. So I continue to fine-tune my exercise routine as I'm working through various ailments, but I don't make changes just for the sake of making changes. Right, and then the biggest thing, too, is, and we talked about this before, once you're healthy, it's important to stick with what got you there. Right. Yeah, and, and for whatever reason, I'm, I'm thinking about my annual physical again. So once <laughs> once my cholesterol comes back and it, it's a really good set of numbers, I'm not going to go back to the unhealthy eating that I used to do. I'm going to continue with that. It's a lifestyle change. And the same should be true with your conditioning and your flexibility is find what works and stick with it while you're healthy and if you end up with an injury work through that but continue to do the right things to keep you from sitting on the sideline that's right so i guess in anything that we're good at it's those things we're consistent with the things we're persistent with the things we're patient in those are the things we become better at yeah you're going to see improvement over time if you are consistent and patient So I thought of another area where variety is not necessarily what you want, and that's around how we coach athletes 
in various blocks of training. We may have two or three weeks of building and then we'll have a week of recovery or we'll figure out what works in an athlete's schedule as far as number of days to train, number of hours to train. We keep that consistent over time because we want the athlete to know what to expect. We want their body to be able to handle what we prescribe. And then it's also just good for you know friends and family and, and coworkers to have an idea of what your schedule is going to be like in advance. Because this wonderful hobby we have can become obsessive. And so having some routine that others are aware of can can help. Right. And we, we have some athletes whose work schedules are crazy. And so their workout days definitely vary from week to week and sometimes change a couple times during the week just based on the boss had them work over and, you know, the workload's just heavy. And so we have to make adjustments in order to accommodate that stress because that puts stress on the body. But for the majority of our athletes, we'll talk with them and figure out on a regular basis which five days do you want to work out or which six days or which four days. We have different athletes who commit to working different numbers of days. We like to keep those as consistent as possible when we can. Yeah. So along the lines of... I mean, I feel like I've answered the question is that variety is not necessarily the spice of life. So I have a Bible verse that goes along with this. We always like to include a Bible verse. That goes along with variety is not necessarily the spice of life. So the Bible verse that I thought of that kind of seals the deal that variety is not necessarily a spice of life is Hebrews 13, 8. Let me look that up for you. Okay. All right. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. He's unwavering. Reliable. A firm foundation. Consistent. Amen. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.